So I've been referring to the elements um, throughout this session. Um, Of course, it's just one particular meditation theme that one can use externally, world around you internally, uh, or your own body internally, your inner body, even your mental states can be fiery, solid, rigid, flexible, fluid, blustery, hot-headed. <laughs> we use elemental terms to refer to our, to our mind, our heart states. And it's, it's useful to, con- to contemplate them like that rather than just getting involved with the narrative, just there's a lot of bluster, bluster and fluster, or oh, this is hot, yeah. or oh, this is you know, over-watery, just sagging, no direction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take some of the uh, narrative out of the, out of the experience, you get directly to the modality of citta from which is, acts as a platform for various kinds of thoughts or not so much thoughts as um, tendencies, emotional heart tendencies, tendency towards depression, tendency towards anxiety, tendency towards impatience, tendency tendency (laughs) towards rigidity. yeah, so because those elements are then present in one's emotional behaviour, <laughs> yeah, so we can contemplate, and you get to, oh, rigid, rigid. What's needed? Rigid, getting flexible. Just can we find some personal space, which is always useful. We step back, and then can we soften? Realize this will change. This is just a point of view amongst many. If you hold on to a fixed position, you cause alienation with others. Earth stands apart. Water blends everything. Okay, let's get more fluid into that. More water doesn't hold boundaries. Water encompasses all. Water is the element of harmony and compassion. So, you know, okay, let's incline that way. And for that, we have to generally disengage from the topic of our thought or concern, which is triggering that particular uh, modality of citta. Where these thoughts, but then where do these thoughts come from? (laughs) Yeah, it's actually the modality of citta is a condition that primes the thinking mind to operate in certain ways. So we may think, this thought is making me annoyed. No, my tendency to be annoyed (laughs) is generating something to get annoyed about. (laughs) You know, the the quality of my jitta, whether it's harsh or stagnant, it acts as a, a conditional support for the arising of particular moods, perceptions, perspectives that follow that theme. You know? So if you're in a brittle, tight, constricted chitta, rigid, tense, you know, then we start fault finding. And yeah, it's true. It's true to a certain extent. 
but does it lead to the end of your suffering? Everything's, you know, in some, some ways the mind can justify anything. You know. And fanatical beliefs justify anything. Particularly, obviously, religion and ideologies are places where the fanatical rigidity occurs, and you can get people fighting over elements of theology. Over Catholics and Protestants, both supposed to be, you know, under the auspices of Jesus, love your enemies, forgive everyone, and 15th and 16th century slaughtering each other like, <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. over some kind of minor element of the theology. And of course you get communism, fascism, democracy, their fixed views, and yeah, you know, they all they, they can justify themselves, but we're not looking for what's right in that sense. We're looking for where does suffering and stress end. And generally the the <laughs> recommendation is suffering and sit where the elements recede, where definitions soften, you know, suffering ends, suffering diminishes. Now this language of the elements is a little bit unusual from our normal perspectives of life. It's an extremely cryptic uh, simplification, but you can, you can sense them. Mm-hmm. And ele- any element that dominates becomes a problem. Too much fire, too hot-headed, too impulsive, full of great ideas but charging around like a bull in a china shop. Do you ever meet people like that? Think, oh, here he comes again with his good ideas. Everybody duck, you know. <laughs> so it's just because the fire consumes, they don't. Lose, perspe- lose perspective. So when we get like that, just just cool, just take it down. This isn't blaming, this is just moderating. Come into balance. When you come into balance, no, no element dominates. And then the Buddha mentioned these other elements, space element, that's fairly easy. Consciousness element, Consciousness element or property, when you place your consciousness on something, it expands and grows. It doesn't physically expand and grow, but emotionally it expands and grows, doesn't it? Place your consciousness, your mind, mental consciousness on a theme, it becomes large. Place it on something that bothers you, it becomes intense. Something delights you, it becomes rapturous, exciting. So consciousness is a, an element that adds, amplifies, selects and amplifies. Yeah? And then with that, consciousness then naturally sees things in that light, sees things in terms of what it's, what it's found to be um, you know, significant yeah. and, and important and absolutely a friend of mine was a, a manager in a retreat center 
And so, you know, maybe it's, it's quite full, not that big hall, 50, 60 people. So people have put their cushions down. He went, okay, this, this one's got a lot of space. So he moved the cushions just a little bit. And one of the retreatants said, you move my cushion. <laughs> got really angry, started swearing at him for moving his cushion. <laughs> this is supposed to be a meditation retreat, you know. Over the position of the cushion in the room, because that became his territory. You know, it's mine. It's my place. It's where I, you know, I, I own. I conquer. I, you know, and this is what con- you, you put consciousness onto something. It magnifies. Becomes me, mine. Yeah, you know, all the energy goes into it. You know. <laughs> and then this sense of self arises wherever consciousness lands sense of self begins to form around that. Consider this. Is there a sense of self without any consciousness? Now, it's always I see, I feel, I think, I remember. If there's no think, remember, see, touch, sight, what kind of eye is there? What is left? So, so the activated consciousness generates a prof- an object. It becomes a source of, of fascination or concern or worry. It produces a self who is the mirror image of that, the worried self, the threatened self. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is how the sense is who grasping. Mm. So the Buddha said, well, what is recommended, the, the simple phrase, purification of citta, stopping consciousness. Stopping of consciousness and the purification of the citta. And depending on how we understand the word consciousness, that can seem like, huh? Stop consciousness? You mean unconscious? No, no, it just means stop that, that habit landing on things creating more data creating more stuff the ajitta then is impacted by and aroused by how helpful is that Uh, so I see what you mean how do you stop consciousness do you stop thinking Um, (laughs) well (laughs) not exactly (laughs) you know it seems that the Buddha could certainly think, see, talk, touch, taste, move around. It's not stopping thinking. It's the stopping of the passion for it. Stopping of the consciousness landing on it and proliferating around it. So it's just light. Uh, negotiation. No, no. Yeah. So the action of consciousness is stop. Conscious, they're not established on any particular thing. We're conscious, but it's not landing on anything. It's just kind of hovering. And naturally, so in a way, this is called well, detachment, non-engagement, viveka, which we cultivate. And you know, I don't think it's difficult to get some sense of okay that's that let that pass I can witness my thoughts I can witness my feelings I can 
uh, notice things coming and going. If there were not that, we'd be completely crazy. Imagine, just if there were no detachment at all, everything that happened you got moved by, you'd be just shaken to pieces. <laughs> so <laughs> we do have this possibility, but for many people it's not fully understood or, or really made much of. But this actually is, is the, the lead point of development. Why we cultivate uh, an energy source that's not about sight or sound is that chitta then's got somewhere else to go to, to, to rest in its own energy forms and, and cleaning and purifying those energy forms so they're comfortable, they don't act as platforms for ill will, sadness, depression, restlessness and worry and doubt. I don't that it doesn't it doesn't act as a you know, clean energy doesn't act as a platform for unhelpful heart states. Therefore, thoughts don't arise from those bases. There may be some thinking, but it hasn't got this kind of coming from those same places. So this cultivating that, so you're actually purifying the chitta to that extent to which it becomes possible to, to deepen the sense of disengagement. So it's not just an occasional flick back, you can actually rest in something and you feel the disengagement from your one's normal trains of thought turns into something called dispassion. And it's just, it's just the thought, so what? It's just like trains passing in the night, you know, ding, 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 ding. You know, dispassion. There's no flavoring around it. Mm. So this domain of disengagement of Vivekya, when the heart gets into that, and we acknowledge that and rest in it, and then the heart's effort is to keep extending into that territory till it becomes dispassionate there's an emotional cooling and that's both in terms of um, things we get excited about and just yeah that's nice but things we feel uncomfortable about yeah that's disappointing mm. until they become something closer to closing to equanimity just or equanimous, serene, doesn't mean you don't feel anything. doesn't mean you don't notice anything. doesn't mean you don't care. It just means you're not reacting, hooked mm. on it. And you notice the designations that one would make if one was impassioned. Right. He's an idiot. She's always late. He's so careless. It's just people doing stuff <laughs> as best they can. <laughs> you know, those kind of immediate judgments. You just don't, don't bother with immediate judgments because they're all reactions. 
So, and then we see, you know, people do what they do according to their capacities, their hindrances, their parami, and that's their business, isn't it? Where, how does it get into you? How does it get into you and, and snarl you up? Now, and it's not saying it's your fault. <laughs> it just means that there's that sense of how, noticing just how tuned the chitta is to, to picking things up that actually are not helpful. So this picking things up is irrespective of whether things pleasant or not. We pick up unpleasant things very easily. Pick it up, grasping. So we see, oh, wow, I've just made a hell of a lot of problems myself out of something that I had no say over. I can't change the way she is or the way he is. And now I've made myself suffer because of it. Nothing needs to be done here. Since as far as I can see, as far as I've noticed, no one does things the way I do. <laughs> Everybody else has got it wrong. <laughs> or they're different. So you can think, why is he doing that? Well, she's way, she's way out of that. And he forgot to do that, you know. So we can form those judgments just over people following what was quite natural for them or their chitta. And you can kind of start to create a person out of it. And then you create the person, that's grasping. Yeah. And then you create a judgment of the person. And then you create yourself and you create suffering. And you see this happening thinking, Wow, something's got to be done here. <laughs> something's got to be done here. Yeah. So, so we notice these these impressions as they arise and pass. Perceptions, perceptions become obsessive and beset one. Uh, but the point of contact where a perception lands and you get that f forming, formation, things start to form, you get that immediate impression and then, oh, this means da 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 you know, That's formation, sankhara. Uh, then we feel that, feel that energy moving through. Everybody gets this. Space, step back. Don't put your thinking mind onto it. You'll amplify it in various distorted ways. You'll feel bad about yourself, you'll feel you're crazy or life's miserable or you're hopeless. And just don't put your mind onto it. Instead, bring your, bring your mental attention to how much space is there around this. This is the fire, this is the air blowing through. How much space is there? <clears throat> and what's happening in the body. So in this way we use these qualities, space, the earth element of the body, the body embodied itself, just to lever 
the chitta away from that immediate jump onto a sankhara. <laughs> yeah. In sankhara, you're on the highway to suffering. <laughs> so get off. And then check it out again. Where am I coming from? Where is my chitta coming from? And if you see something you feel disturbed about, then you might come from a calm place, quiet place, you might say to the person, Oh, why do you do that? And I say, Well, that's the way we do things here. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, oh, I, I, oh, I forgot. Or I made a mistake. It wasn't some deliberate intention. It's just somebody did something casually. That, you know, or they forgot something. Or actually they were, they were in a sad state of mind saying, I'm really upset because my mother's got cancer and I'm really worried about what she's doing. So, so I was a bit careless. Oh, suddenly see things differently. You know, oh, and this happens in retreats and in monasteries a lot. You know, you think this person's lazy, doesn't do this, doesn't sweep the floor properly, doesn't do the chores properly. You know, da -da -da, what's he doing here? This is a monastery. They've got to be really clear and sharp and precise and on the ball. We're not slacking off. These lazy, stupid people coming here, wasting our time. You know. And then, you, then you say, what's wrong with you? Oh, my son committed suicide two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> Suddenly the fact they didn't turn up for chores is not such a problem anymore. <laughs> Thinking, well, okay, give the guy some space. Thank goodness for that, that one had enough just to check don't follow your own perspectives. Open up. And so this realm of detachment is not, you know, it's not some kind of spaced out numb state. It's very attuned. It's attuned to the hazards of, of grasping. Grasping an opinion. Grasping territory. Grasping possessions, yeah. grasping the sense of yourself, it's attuned to the hazards of that. It sees these as dangerous, perilous. So it's not disengaged in a sense of, I don't notice what's going on, but I notice what I'm making out of it, and let's check that out. Yeah. And then let's use this body and the calming and steadying of energy, it's just a lever the chitta away from that rush breathing out okay so this is you know this is daily life practice dispassion even recognizing you know I tend to be a bit moody or Grumpy early in the morning, not good when I first wake up. Okay, got to work with this being. It's, uh, you know, so you're not forming a self out of particular emotional behavior patterns that 
may have their... All things are conditioned. We are who we are because of conditions. Everybody is who they are because of conditions. Why is a criminal a criminal? Because of conditions. Somebody said, could you be mindful? Whether you see a criminal or mindful, you see a criminal, you have true mindfulness, and so with your sumper journey you shoot them. <laughs> What's a criminal? What is a criminal's mother like? What's a criminal's brother like? Hmm? Can you shoot crime? You could shoot crime, do. But criminals are just human beings and conditioned in certain ways. And so you don't fix. You just, you know, in that way. realm of detachment, the realm of disengagement, the realm of dispassion. Another teaching, presentation for people, for beings who are still subject to fetters and, and shackled, bonded to craving and bound up with becoming. Karma is a field, consciousness is the seed, and craving is the juice that feeds the seed and makes it grow. It grows in the field of karma. Karma means both our inherited habits, our inherited conditions, and the actions that we've tended to encourage based upon those inherited conditions. This is the field, this is the earth, this is the soil. Consciousness lands in that. Yeah. This is who I am, it says. This is the, I think this, I, want to, I see that, this is my position. It says that. Craving fires it up. Yeah. I really, you know, the craving for certainty, the craving for identity, the craving to have one's own way, the craving to dominate, the tra- craving to be something, the craving to have something, the consciousness expands and grows in this way. And then everything is in, consciousness acts like a filter over the eyes and the mind. We see things that, that it tells us. And consciousness is never accurate. It can't, can't give you reality. It can give you your view of reality. Okay, you can't, just very simply speaking, you can't, you can't smell things like a dog can. You can't hear things that a dog can hear. Are they there or not? You have dog whistles, people can't hear them. Does, is the sound there or not? So even just on that level alone, you see, consciousness does not give you reality. It gives you a window into a certain conditioned realm. You're conditioned as a human being. This is what we can. This is what how we see, how we hear, how we smell. We do this. Dolphins and bats do something else. Consciousness is conditioned. 
Right? The mind is extremely conditioned by our society, our culture, our upbringing, the words we use, the concepts we have. Yeah, so the mind can go along certain tracks. Yeah, so you, you just see this very obviously, even language. How often do you see the word equanimity in the headlines? Today was an equanimous day. No, equanimity is fading out as a concept. <laughs> There's power, energy, progress, exciting, thrilling, new, horrifying, <laughs> dreadful, ghastly, but neutral equanimous, <laughs> you won't find those. You don't see the words of sympathetic joy, mudita. You say, have an exciting day. Go to an exciting place. You don't see, experience appreciative joy for other people who are having a good time. You know, (laughs) so you see that even the language starts to tilt what your chitta is looking for. This is the field that we're in. It's not just what I've done, but what I'm born in and, and breathing in, yeah, and consciousness planted in that. Can we leave this town? Can we leave this city? Can we leave this planet? This can't. The chitta can. Can step back, disengage. Mm-hmm. And we've been training and practicing that. And then you can, what does it feel like? That, that, that dispassion and deepen it so after a while what happens is cessation I mean certain habits just stop, they don't arise because you've starved it you know this whole thing is based upon conditionality and change so if the, if the, if the conditions are not fed, unconsciously fed, if the juice doesn't flow, then the thing dries up. So with practice, you know, fault-finding, self-criticism, narrow-mindedness, fixation, dogmatism, they begin to die out. And that's the trajectory to what's that? So the cessation, which sounds like a fairly gloomy prospect as a piece of language, actually just means freedom from compulsion. So it said in the, in the suttas, this is the deathless one turns one's jitta away from the aggregates thus, away from form, one turns one's jitta away from form, feeling, perception, sankaras, consciousness, one turns one's jitta away from that. This is sublime, this is peaceful. Stilling of sankaras, mm. detachment, dispassion, destruction of craving, the relinquishment of all acquisitions, of all old habits. Cessation, Nibbana.
This is sublime, this is peaceful. Where is it, that, again, another teaching, says, where is it that the earth, air, water and fire don't land? When there's dispassion, uh, consciousness does not get supported on these. <laughs> so, you know, where, where does it go? It doesn't go anywhere. That's the point. Because all these conditioned world is, is constructed with a cessation of construction, then the world falls away. So, it says, while in earth, while in air, while in fire, one is not percipient of them. While in the world, one is not percipient of it. While in Singapore, one is not percipient of Singapore. <laughs> one is percipient of this is form, this is feeling, perception, uh, and this is dispassion. So this this is the domain of release. So often when we are cultivating, uh, practicing, it's really just coming down to that baseline of being able to find a stability, thoughts rise, pass, and translating thoughts into what's the emotional platform that these are resting on. And you can do this with one word. So, when you go into your head, words are many. I'm thinking this because that and that and that and she didn't, I did, and two years ago, words are many. When you come into the heart, words go down to one. So, what's it feel like? Irritated. Got it. Got it in one. No should about it, no should or shouldn't be irritated. That can just, this, this is about just act reality. What does irritation need? Not how do you get rid of it, or why should you have it, or why shouldn't you have it, or you're a bad person for being irritable after all these years you've been practicing. This is just further <laughs> head noise. <laughs> uh, irritability feels like this, a kind of cramping, tensing, Gripping, stirring, unsatisfied. Looks like it feels like it needs some food. A bit of gentle food, warming, spaciousness, breathing in. Yeah, you know, so really and then with this process it's it's very much not going into what's on the shelf, in other words, the ideas you may have learnt, but just really asking your own heart when there's irritability and there's no blaming, we're not adding conditions to it, we're not placing consciousness onto it. What is it, what's really help needed now, helpful now? What does it need? Maybe it just needs to be heard. Or maybe it just needs to feel some breath, who knows? But then that's your inquiry.
Mm-hmm. It could be a slight shift of your body, it could be an in-breath or an out-breath. You never quite know what the jitter's going to do <laughs> when you ask those very direct questions. You don't quite know what it will do. See, you shouldn't know what it's going to do because it's an open inquiry. What's it going to do? Maybe it just starts to laugh. (laughs) Humor was needed. Uh, mm. Uh, But with that, what you'll notice is a sense of the self that was irritated disappears. Or the self that was depressed or guilty disappears. That's what was needed. But the chitta has to do that. You can't do it from your head. So this is the, <laughs> and then it takes you, the jitter then enters the domain of release. Which is, you can't say, it's not a sight or a sound, it's not a touch or a taste or a thought, it's not a feeling, it's just, release is just release. Mm. So this again, simple daily life practice. What does does your train of thoughts feel like? One word. Restless. Okay. Uh, Excited. Okay. No, No judgment, no blame. You just want to know, let the jitter know what it's doing. And the beauty and the miracle and the actual fundamental understanding that means liberation is definitely possible is that chitta is not completely ignorant. If it was completely ignorant, there'd be no possibility whatsoever. (laughs) But the chitta is not completely ignorant. It It gets hoodwinked. It gets confused. It gets knocked off balance. But we're not utterly stupid. (laughs) It's not totally attached to everything. (laughs) It it suffers from attachment to these aggregates, but it's essentially, the wisdom is there. But we have to refer to the chitta, not to the thinking mind, or even the jitta-sankharas, that is, these emotional currents and reactions and sometimes desperate attempts to cure ourselves, deeply committed attempts to change myself and make myself into a better, more mature, happy cheerful person, I really want to be that, I really, really want to be that. And I nearly was there, and I got this miserable, grumpy mood over my 
coffee was cold. <laughs> oh no, so defiled. <laughs> so we have these kind of the jitta sankara, however well-meaning they are. Yeah, really, the, the best thing they can do is just just be quiet <laughs> and put all your your, your jitta sankara into just holding carefully. Use your heart energies just to hold the place carefully with goodwill. And then that, so, you know, and spaciousness and groundedness. That's, and then it's the optimal state for the jitta then to wake itself up. Because there's no self that's going to wake it up. You know, the, the self, the person who thinks she's in control and going to make things work, is an illusion. The person who thinks he's going to be better than he was if he keeps practicing hard enough is a noise, a noise in the head. And you realize that person can't even stop a thought. <laughs> but jitta can. So it is the humility of the practice and the honesty of it and the directness of it. When unskillful states are held clearly with wise attention and investigation, this is food for the enlightenment factors. When unskillful states are held carefully with wise attention and investigation, this is a subconditioned support for the arising of the enlightenment faculties. Now, conditioned support, it doesn't mean, you know, flash, that's it, all over. It means this is the basis from which those enlightenment factors will begin to take root and grow. This is what we can do. We can support that, that's why it's called cultivation. You plant those seeds and and it grows, and it will grow even in the presence of defilements. Which is good to know, isn't it? <laughs> so mindfulness, Dhamma Vijaya, investigation, energy, holding it energetically, steadily, sense of enthusiasm, and then as those hindrances begin to wane, you get the almost uplift. So it's enlightenment factors proceeding from the domain of detachment. So as we can consider words like detachment, dispassion, cessation may seem like a kind of eradication, but they're just clearing the, the, clearing the surfaces so that there's a lot of room for growth, for Dhamma to grow. And becomes extremely potent. Mm. And 
sustaining. So we always have, uh, you know, just this very sense of checking in with yourself, daily basis, morning time, evening time, lunch time. Just what's her? How is she now? What's needed? Question. What is awareness aware of now? And what's needed? And not have an answer. This is room for growth. So let's take some time for direct practice, silent practice.